Shall uh, we start with Super 8 then, because of what you were- Well, actually, I, I've just changed my mind, actually. If we can't discuss two films, we both have got trailers which aren't out yet, by the same director, Steven right. Soderbergh. You oh, okay. Uh, Contagion and Haywire. Uh, both are, trailers are available on, on the web. Mm -hmm. uh, Haywire just being released, I think, just yesterday, in fact, or maybe even yeah, with Captain America. Uh, Contagion was released a week ago with Harry Potter, even though the release dates for the, the films are about six months apart. We'll talk with one which is coming out first, which is Contagion. What do you know about it? Um, well, where do you stand on Soderbergh in general? I like him. Uh, I do, actually. I think, well, of course, there's Sex, Lives and Videotape, which is really quite good. Ocean's Eleven, which is a rare remake, which is actually pretty enjoyable. The remake is actually better than the original. Yeah, Traffic, which is quite good. Uh, I quite like uh, Solaris bombed, but I didn't mind it that much. Uh, I didn't see The Good German. I didn't see Ocean's Thirteen. I quite like Shay, although I couldn't help thinking what would it be like if Terrence Malick directed this, because he was originally attached. Uh, I really like The Informant, because Matt Damon's really good in it, and I'm excited for Contagion and Haywire. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the trailer for Haywire. I'm I, I like Soderbergh in, in parts, because I like Ocean's Eleven and I like Solaris quite a bit, although obviously it's not as good as the Andrei Tarkovsky version. My problem with him is that he makes films far too quickly. Yeah, he does, and he, and he just rifles through them. Yeah, and you know, a lot of his films actually don't get wide release. There was a film that he made a couple of years ago called The Girlfriend Experience with a porn star called Sasha Gray, in which the tagline was, go and see it with someone you, and then expletive deleted. And it's, the problem with Soderbergh, I mean, you, you can see this in the Che films, which I'm not the biggest fan of, is that he, he barrels through so quickly that a lot of the time it looks deeply unprofessional. There's a sequence in Che Part 1, I think, when Che and his gorillas are going through the forest, and... It, the camera is focusing on this twig in close-up, and it stays on this twig for about two minutes. You think, I know the soldiers aren't that interesting, but it's a twig. Yeah. Can you move on now? And I think, you no. Know, if Terence Malick had been involved, I don't know, at least he would have cut to something slightly more interesting than just a twig. Well. Yeah, and so, I mean, I've, I've seen the trailer for Contagion, and, and I the like... the cast is unreal. Yes. The cast is, uh, let me just, Marion Cotier for La Vie en Cotier, Rose. Yes. Cotier, La Vie en Rose, Public Enemies, which is awful, and Inception. Yes. Uh, Matt Damon, no, no explanation needed. Lawrence Fishburne, you know, Morpheus and yes. uh, Bobby and things. Jude Law, tremendous again, <laughs> huge actor. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow. Terrific again, you know, Shakespeare in Love, she's great in that, and she's great in so many other things. Kate Winslet, awesome actress. Uh, Brian Cranston, who's now officially hot stuff right now because of his performance in Breaking Bad. He's now, yeah. like, on, one of Hollywood's biggest properties, along with Benedict Cumberbatch and Idris Elba. Yes. Um, and it's also got uh, Jennifer L., um, you know, Elliot Gould, Elliot Gould, sorry, as well. The cast is unreal. Uh, Contagion, as the title would suggest, uh, follows the rapid uh, progress of a lethal airborne virus that kills within days. Uh, this is the plot. Uh, as the fast-moving epidemic grows, the worldwide medical community races to find a cure and control the panic that spreads faster than the virus itself. At the same time, ordinary people struggle to survive in a society coming apart. It's out on September 9th, uh, um, uh, in the US at least, I'm not sure about the UK. The trailer's online, and I was disappointed by the trailer. I'm going to say it there. I th yeah, I mean, I think that there are things in the trailer which are good, in terms of, you know, the, the whole sort of military paranoia stuff that's going on. I mean, I'm not the biggest Gwyneth Paltrow fan. I think that it comes down to, again... <sighs> in terms of the pace at which Soderbergh makes this, how interested is he in the subject? Yes. Because in the case of something like the later Oceans films, 12 and 13, you got the sense that he was just doing them because of the money. Mm -hmm. And the, certainly Oceans 12 had a script that seemed to have been written by bankers and lawyers in terms of, okay, we can get Julia Roberts, we can get Jude Law, we can get... So, well, not uh, yeah, Al Pacino yeah. or whatever. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. That, yeah, he turns up in the third film. And uh, so in the case of this, I think that it's one of those films in which he's... 
he's sort of interested in what it is, and it's an interesting idea. I mean, obviously, it's there's things in science fiction like the Andromeda Strain or uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which talks about some lethal virus, and obviously that's pod <laughs> people, so that's slightly different, but it's the same sort of thing. So the trailer gave me a, a whiff of uh, Twenty Eight Days Later with the sort of abandoned city. Yes, and there is the infected thing rather than zombies. Mm -hmm. as well. What I was going to say as well was what is, uh, this is gauging uh, Stephen Soderbergh's interest. He hasn't written a film for about seven years. He yes. Well, eight, we had, the last one we wrote was Solaris, which bombed. He wrote Sex Lives and Videotape, which is brilliant, uh, and he wrote some other ones. And then the last one he directed, which he wrote, was Solaris. And it's just in, it's interesting to me. I think that he hasn't written anything because he can write. Because Sex Lives and Videotape yeah, is good. His early work is very good. And so, yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's, it's just interesting to me now that he just works on you know spec scripts uh, that someone else has done, and he just gets attached and he'll do it. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't badmouth all spec scripts. No, not at all. I mean, you know, because I mean, Martin Scorsese can see he can't write for rubbish, and he's a terrific he director. I mean, he, yes. he he works on even though and the trailer for his new film. Looks awful, but we'll get into that if we've got time after Haywire. Yeah, which I haven't seen the trailer for, so you go ahead. Uh, Haywire, which is another Steven Spielberg film, like I say, which is coming out. Steven, what, sorry? Steven Soderbergh. Thank you. You almost said Spielberg. No, it's <laughs> Soderbergh, uh, which is apparently coming out uh, in the United States at the beginning of January. Trailers have been released. Another one with an unreal cast Antonio Banderas, Michael Douglas, Bill Paxton, Ewan McGregor, Michael Fassbender, and Channing Tatum. So, you know, he's a man who can get a cast together. He can, yeah, he can. he's got pulling power. Michael Fassbender is another person who is incredibly hot property right now yes. in Hollywood ever since sort of Inglorious. Uh, <coughs> he has exploded onto the scene, which I'm pleased to see. It was actually interesting, he was in Band of Brothers. He's got a very small yes, part, a walk-on part in Band yes. of Brothers almost. Uh, anyway, uh, very little is known about Haywire. I actually haven't seen the trailer because it came out last night. Uh, uh, the plot, after she is betrayed on a mission to Barcelona, freelancing covert operative Mallory Kane, who's played by Gina Carano, is forced to protect her family and go after those who betrayed her. Uh, one thing that actually does interest me, surprisingly, is the posters. The posters are a bit arty, a bit kind of different. Now, I'll show you there. It, it's just yeah, this works really well on radio, but yeah, it, I know, it's, yes. Um, it's check out the poster and check out the trailer, which I'm going to do as soon as I get home. Yeah, it looks like a martial arts film. Yes, uh, it's interesting. Uh, like I said, if, if anything, nothing else interests me about it but the cast. It must be said, the cast is just tremendous, and I like Steven Soderbergh. Uh, quite a small budget, just $25 million, which is, for like an action film... Yeah, that's relatively small nowadays. Nowadays, uh, yes, it is. I mean, that's, a, that's, that's half of Johnny Depp's salary for one film. Johnny Depp's salary for the Pirates of the Caribbean 4. He got $50 million for that one role. This was made, the whole film, yes. on well, I just hope he gave most of that to Tim Burton so they can make another film together. Well, there you are. Uh, we'll play another song, and then I'm going to try and persuade Daniel to stay a bit longer so we can discuss Super 8 and so we can discuss other things. I will work on it, I promise. Oh, if you twist that was the national with mistaken for strangers from their album boxer i have persuaded him i've twisted his arm to stay longer we have yes. numerous discussions my to arm make. is quite painful now after all that twisting it is because you're originally only going to stay for an hour and now we're staying for the full two uh i have this just going to be an extra long special podcast for it, you it, it, for our it, listeners yes it is oh we can edit out all the waffle that we have and all the swear words <laughs> and all the one the yes, one. So Any, far. So yes. far, yes, we have half an hour left. Anyway, thank you for sticking with us for this extended edition. Uh, I have just opened Daniel's eyes to a film which is coming out. Let me just find out when it is coming out. In fact, uh, quite soon, at uh, the end of October. Uh, so it's you know, relatively soon, uh, called In Time. Uh, directed by Andrew Nichol, who, of course, wrote and directed, and uh, he wrote this as well, uh, Lord of War, sorry, Nicolas Cage, which was quite good, didn't do very well at the box office. It was, along with that and Weatherman, Nicolas Cage had two films, which are both actually quite good, which both didn't no, do very no, well. Whoa, 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 Weatherman is awful. Anything with Gore Verbinski's name on is terrible, so take that back right Rango. Away. 
possible. And well, no, I didn't mind whether man, but we'll disagree on that. We're discussing in time. Yes. Uh, basically, the idea is the aging gene has been switched off, and and rather than and everyone has so you're born with 25 years to live, and it's shown on your wrist, and it's time is currency. Like you go into a shop and you buy um, say a chocolate bar, and it'll scan your wrist and take off say a minute, however much this chocolate chocolate bar's worth. And when you work, you don't get paid; you just get paid more time. Uh, and the storyline is the trailer's online. It's far too long. It's about four minutes long. Watch about two and a half minutes of it then close down the window for the love of God because otherwise it'll spoil the film. Um, um, the storyline is Justin Timberlake sort of befriends sort of an upper-class upper man who's got a hundred years left and he says he's lived for like forever and he does it, he's sick of it now. So he, uh, so he, he, so Justin Timberlake passes out, this is what's shown in the trailer, uh, and then the old man sort of kills himself, but before he does, uh, he gives all his time to Justin Timberlake, and having a hundred years on your wrist, you know, you've got to try and cover it up, because, you know, gang leaders want that time, because, you know, time is money. Uh, and it just seemed like a really interesting idea case, yeah. of, you know, it seems like a really quite interesting idea. It was previously titled Now or I'm Dot Mortal, of course, also meaning immortal. Uh, but yes, the trailer is online, starring Justin Timberlake, uh, Killian Murphy is a timekeeper who tracks down uh, sort of Justin Timberlake after he's uh, accused of murdering this old man. It's also got Amanda Seedfried, Olivia Wilde in, uh, Alex Pettifer. So it's got quite a good, Bella Heathcote as well. Quite a good cast. Not too bad. I mean, the only thing it faintly reminds me of... Cinematography by Roger Deakins. Very good. Of course, he's worked with the Coen brothers a lot. Uh, the only thing that it reminds me of, in a way, is the Adjustment Bureau. Uh, yes, I, I can see that, even though the Adjustment Bureau was so disappointing. But I can see it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean... It, I mean, Andrew Nichol, it sounds pretty good, and I, I think it's, like I say, it is a very interesting idea, and they seem to have actually thought through it, rather than something like Deja Vu, where they just use time travel in a deeply gimmicky way and sort of abandon their own internal logic. So, yeah, it sounds very good. Uh, that's coming out at the end of October. We were going to discuss Super 8, the next film by J.J. Uh, Lens Flair Abrams. Lens Flare Abrams. Yes, that's his new middle just name. Just call him that. Just forget the JJ. Just call him Lens Flare. Yes. This is a little nickname, Lens Flare Abrams, because uh, he, you know, if you've seen the Star Trek film, the remake, you know how much he loves the Lens Flare. Yeah, there is. I mean, should we explain what Lens Flare is for people who don't know? Uh, wait, wait, take it away. Uh, lens Flare is where you have um, light kind of reflecting back into the camera in a very specific way. I mean, if you've seen. Particularly if you've got something like a flashlight in which you get a sort of ring of light which would temporarily blind you. I mean, there's a sequence in Full Metal Jacket in which um, Matthew Medina is patrolling the corridors and there's very deliberate use of lens yeah. fare, but no, most of the time it's accidental. And it is quite irritating. But he uses it on purpose uh, predominantly and apparently in Super 8 as well. But anyway, Super 8, uh, it's like sort of an homage, we were, t we were discussing this to uh, Steven Spielberg 80s sort of films, a mysterious train derails and while, while these people, these kids are filming a monster film, so they have it on this film, on this Super 8, hence why it's called Super 8. Uh, and then this, it slowly sort of, sort of, you know, it threatens this small suburban town. And to me, it looks a bit too much like J.J. Abrams sort of, you know, fawning early Spielberg, sort of like going, oh, you're my idol, look how look how, but it could be more than the sum of its parts. Does it? What I'm interested in is: does it just imitate Spielberg, or does it bring something new to the plate? Well, I think the fact that Spielberg is actually involved as executive producer means that, if, no, if assuming that it is an homage just of itself, it's 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 going to be deeply affectionate. I mean, there is a history of you know, filmmakers paying tribute to others either by making documentaries about them in the case of Hitchcock or there was I mean you look at something like Mel Brooks's High Anxiety which is a parody of Hitchcock's films in which they recreate they do the birds but with you know, the birds you know 
throwing droppings at Mel Brooks rather than that just kind of biting him to death and they sort of rework all the riffs that he really likes. Mm -hmm. And that's an example of a director sort of saying, yes, you're the best director I know and this is my way of doing it, which is that I'm going to do all the stuff that people know from your films, but I'm going to do it in my own way and play it for laughs. So I think that in the case of Abrams, I mean, he's obviously, a lot of his work owes stuff to Spielberg, not just because of the, the subject matter, because he has made films about aliens and about families and that sort of thing, and he does action films very well. But also there are, connect, there are connections with Spielberg in terms of the sensibility, because I've, I've always maintained that Spielberg is at his best when he's doing light-hearted popcorn stuff, whether it's you know, Indiana Jones or Catch Me If You Can or Jaws, which, or no, Jewel, which we talked about earlier. When he gets serious and does things like Schindler's List and so forth, he just gets bogged down and loses his will. I respectfully disagree in that Munich is his best film, along, no, with, along with Minority Report. Uh, Minority Report is good, but Munich is a bit boring. No, I, I just I loved Munich. It, it is, it's the only Spielberg film I can think of with like a, re, a distinctly unhappy ending. That's what about that is his flaw. I think Spielberg. That's the flaw of Minority Report. It, it, he always he can't end on a on a bad note, and it, surprisingly enough, Munich does. Uh, it's another bad note, and I am interested because the director, the writer of Munich, is the one who's writing Lincoln. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I hold hopes for Lincoln because of Daniel Day Lewis. But yeah, where do you stand on AI in that case? It wasn't Kubrick, was it? Let's be honest. It was all right. It was well, quite yeah, good. I mean, obviously Kubrick only wrote the story. He mm -hmm. didn't. So it uh, no, no, I, I quite mean, liked in it. Terms of the, in terms of the ending of AI, because I remember flipping out when I saw the ending. It doesn't really. I think it, it's not really justified enough to end it that way. You have to kind of come up with more of a justification. Sort yeah, of, I mean, the point, the point is, no, if because uh, because AI is essentially Pinocchio, you have to end with you know, the bleak ending, in which you're not sure whether he's going to come back to life. It's like, okay, you've got the blue fairy stuff. Oh, don't bring aliens into it. That's yeah. just lazy. I mean, sorry. So in the case of Super 8, sorry to keep distracting. Yes, that's um, fine. Yeah, it, I think it will be pretty good. The question is, because the other thing about it is that the reason it's called Super 8 is that the kids in the film are actually making a Super 8 film, which is how a lot of all the, you know, Super 8... That's how Spielberg started, Yeah, really, wasn't a lot it, really? of these filmmakers started. I mean, Super 8, for people who don't know, people aren't old enough, was sort of, it was 8mm film and you could get these very small cameras and take films for about two minutes and yeah. they were hand-cranked and you could sort of cut them together. And all, I mean, um, Spielberg started out with that in a short film called Amblin. George Lucas started in Super 8. I think Francis Ford Coppola actually did, but... It wouldn't surprise me. They're all kind of, those yeah. three chums are all probably start off the same way. Yeah, but the point is that, no, it's paying affection as much to the format by how these filmmakers came about as it is paying you know, tribute to Spielberg. So I think that what Abrams brings to the table is his, is his knack for sort of bombastic, action-filled spectacle. The question is whether he's managed to hang that around anything more than just a regurgitation of Spielberg's storyline. Remains to be seen. It for does. Us, I mean, there was a wonderful article, I think it was in Empire, where they were comparing directors to buildings in terms of, you no, know, well, if they lived in their sort of ideal house, what would it look like? And they had sort of Guillermo del Toro as a gothic mansion in Spain. Yeah, of course. And J.J. Abrams one was the Pentagon, because, you know, massive amounts of weaponry, and no, you can't come in, because he's famously very serious. Yes, yeah, that, that's, that's, they have any more? What was Christopher Nolan? That was the only one. Christopher Nolan, I think Christopher Nolan's would have been a very complicated multi-story building yeah that's true yeah it's one that is sort of which is very dark yes um, but no with massive intelligence stuff on the wall talking christopher nolan great link here Thank dark knight rises teaser was attached to harry potter which i didn't i've already seen the trailer online but i went to see harry potter and i thought here i can watch it now and the trailer like in the cinema it didn't show it did i was disappointed that is disappointing um but yes the teaser the dark knight rises of course it's the sequel to the dark knight it's I'm not sold on the title yet. I think it's a bit silly because it kind of alienates Batman Begins as part of the trilogy by having Batman Begins and the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. I think it doesn't quite work. Um, but having said that, the 
teaser is a teaser. It, it features only about 20 seconds of actually new footage. Yes. Uh, which is, you know, uh, Gordon, the, the police chief commissioner, in bed saying Batman must come back. Yes. Features a very small, literally one second phrase of Tom Hardy, who you'll have seen in Inception, as Bane. Which who, I'm really excited about. Yes, about. who in the comic books breaks Batman's back, not spoiling anything. That's in the comics. It's not been announced whether that happens in the film. I'd be surprised if it does, but all the fans are sort of baying for it. Uh, it's also got Joseph Gordon-Levitt in. It's got Marion Cotillard yeah. again. Uh, she's, I mean, she was in Inception as, as was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Michael Caine comes back. Morgan Freeman comes back. It's got an unreal cast like yeah, all I mean, these films. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you're kind of focusing a lot more on the cast, and that is a fantastic cast, but I mean, the thing that interests me about it is that it's Christopher Nolan, who well, is yeah. the smartest filmmaker working today. Smart. He was, oh, he's up there, yes. I mean, like, Inception was really good. I, I was a little bit disappointed, but that's because I went in with absolutely sky-high expectations. I went in, I saw it, I was a bit disappointed, I saw it again. I thought, no, it is really good. I just had ridiculously high hopes for it. Yeah. Uh, the Dark Knight is the best comic book film, and now everyone's trying no, to... No, no, yeah. And now everyone's trying to... Well, no, actually, I prefer Batman Begins. So, so the Dark Knight. <laughs> anyway, but... You're forgiven. Yes, um, The Dark Knight is uh, very, very good, but everyone's now copying that by trying to go dark, which is the amazing Spider-Man, which we'll talk about in a minute. But the Dark Knight Rises teaser is online, and it, it, it is a teaser. It has lots of footage from Batman Begins, has a little bit of footage yeah. from the Dark Knight as the well. Yeah, the thing that interests me, I mean, first of all, it's it's going to be a thing with Christopher Nolan. Having made Inception, which is absolutely extraordinary, and I saw it twice in cinemas, and both of the time, I, I, it was special for me because I I saw it both times, and both times I, when I came outside it was still raining, so I thought I was still in the dream. That's quite good. Yeah, uh -huh. so there was that experience. I, mean, I, I wonder if having made the film that he's been working on for ten years, whether his return to Batman, because this is definitely going to be the last one. It is, he's confirmed it, yeah, this is the last yeah. of the trilogy, the conclusion. Yeah, I wonder whether he might actually be soft-pedalling a bit, as in, to sort of get the third one over with so he can do something else. Yeah. So that's my only concern. I don't think he will. No. But in terms of how the Dark Knight fed, in terms of, in comparison to The Prestige, which is really great. The Prestige is all, it's really, really great. The yeah. Prestige really blew me away, actually. I was yeah. really impressed by it. Yeah, but the point is, no, that's, it's, no, The Prestige was the film he wanted to wake, and then the Batman film was the one he had to do to, with the studio. Yeah. But the point is, that, so that's, that's the thing. The other thing that's interesting for me is how they're going to integrate Catwoman into all this. Yes, because um, Anne Hathaway, we haven't even discussed yet, is also in it, who's playing Selina Kyle slash Catwoman. Uh, but of course she hasn't been, she was announced as just playing Selina Kyle, and Selina Kyle in the comic books becomes Catwoman. So it isn't known whether Christopher Nolan is just leaving it off for the next film or whether she'll actually be Catwoman. Yeah. Because when it was announced that Aaron Eckhart would play um, Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight, he said he's playing Harvey Dent, who is Two-Face, slash Two-Face. And yeah. this one, they've just played, said she's playing Selina Kyle. Yeah, and obviously the danger is that we could have a Spider-Man 3 situation of just too many villains and one of them, their backstory just gets lost. Well, you look at, you look at the, sort of the trilogy thing, you sort of like X-Men, X-Men 2, which admittedly weren't near as good as The Dark Knight and Batman Begins, but anyway, uh, then the third one was dreadful, then you have Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, again, not nearly as good as those, but the third one was dreadful, and you just, yeah. you just get that sort of pang of worry in your stomach, because yes. then you, you get New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Return so. of the Jedi is okay, but it's, yeah, but not, it's, it's, it's not, not brilliant. It's, it's the weak link. In the, yes, in the original. In the original. Um, well, Richard Markman's a better director than George Lucas. <laughs> yes, anyway, but Dark Knight Rises teaser. That's all. That's, I think that's not not much more to say about it. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have I have sort of problem with teaser trailer, trailers anyway because they give they sort of hype you up far too much. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there's also a teaser. Actually, there's a trailer for. I'm not. We're going to go off. The, we, we'll keep on the comic book track for the minute. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, which you haven't. Have you seen it? No. I mean, I've heard that, and I've seen.
clips of Andrew Garfield in it. Which right. It's um, right. basically Spider-Man, basically a reboot of Spider-Man, completely unnecessary, only ten years after the first film came out, so you're seeing the origin of Spider-Man all over again. Um, it's directed by Mark Webb, who directed 500 Days of Summer, which I think is... Zooey Deschanel. which I think is bizarre, because, you know, that budget for that was five million, and now all of a sudden he's getting, like, a hundred, what, well, hundred and fifty million dollar budget, if that, probably more, which is unreal. I mean, like, the director of Monsters, uh, Garth Edwards, he made that on, like, for ten thousand dollars or whatever, it's on his own back, and now he's directing, making the Godzilla reboot. I'm not even lying. There's a Godzilla reboot? It's gonna be a Godzilla, it's coming out oh, th summer, no. summer 2013, it's gonna compete with Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim, which looks really great with Idris Elba and... Yeah. All you need to know about Godzilla is when the original um, Japanese Gojira was released in the 1950s, it was released in Europe in its original cut and it was fantastic. The Americans saw the original cut, thought, we need to make some changes. They reshot half the footage, put it back in, and then made a cut that was shorter. Which is all you need to know about the Americans' attitude towards <laughs> Godzilla. The original Godzilla is a really substantial monster film about nuclear war. The American Godzilla with Matthew Broderick in is an abomination. An abomination. But we digress. Again, sorry. Uh, that's my fault. Um, so we were talking about... What were we talking about? Um, uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. It's also got Martin Sheenan playing his uncle, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man himself, and Emma Stone playing Gwen Stacy. Not, not playing Mary Jane. Different yes. love interest this time. Um, interested to see whether they recast J. Jonah Jameson after, you know, uh, thingamajig after what was his name? You know, nailed it. The news reporter. Yes. Yeah, and what was I, the name of that? I can't remember. I'm not the biggest Spider-Man fan. Oh, but he nailed it anyway. In the, in, the, in the first three films, he was consistently uh, the screen just came alive when he was on. I, was, um, I wonder if they do the thing in the Dead Parrot sketch where they just do it as the same actor with a moustache. Well, they, they, they might. I mean, who knows? Um, like you know, they do get that. You know, the, the Amazing Spider-Man trailer is out there. It's too long. There's a really interesting, really bizarre bit at the end, which is sort of like Mirror's Edge, the computer game, where it's from a point of view of Spider-Man going over buildings, which makes me think, oh, they just put that in for the 3D and the effects are really rubbish but then again it's a year to be released so the effects have got time we've got have a lot. Have they actually finished shooting it? I think they have yeah because they've finished shooting The Dark Knight Rises as well. Um, have they? I thought um, they were I, still shooting until November. I'm, I don't know then. Uh, maybe maybe because maybe they have pickup shoots. Where they, they do have pickups and they, they probably have reshoots yes that's true. Um, but no, I'm not sure if they finished shooting it but the trailer is out there. For a teaser it's far too long it's two and a half minutes long but then again you already know the whole plot of Spider-Man because you saw the Sam Raimi one ten years ago. Yeah, and like, the Sam Raimi ones are fun because they are essentially horror. They are the Evil Dead in spandex because it's people getting bashed around. Yeah, and it's, it's funny. And it's camp, campastic. Then the third one got the camp way wrong. Now the last film I think we're going to discuss, and then I'll put a song on, and then we'll have the news. This has been a terrific two-hour slot of the movie hour, the movie yes. double hour. Is Drive? Now, do you know anything about Drive? I haven't heard of it, so go ahead. Uh, did you see Valhalla Rising? Yes, I did. And did you see um, Bronson? Tom no, Hardy one. That's, um, that's the Nick Winding Refn film that I haven't seen. This is the director, Nicholas Winding Refn. Uh, Drive, start with, again, with an absolutely unreal cast. Uh, it's simply obs obscene just how good the cast is. Uh, starring Ryan Gosling, Brian Cranston again, Christina Hendricks, uh, Ron Perlman, and someone else who I can't remember the trailer. Anything with Ron Perlman and it is worth seeing. That's true. Stop. Well, what, was it the one that came out like a year ago with Nicholas? Is it Season of the Witch he was in? That wasn't that good. Yeah, he's the best thing in it. Uh, anyway, um, the trailer's been released. There has been a few clips online it won the second best prize at Cannes Film Festival after the Tree of Life which won the Palm Door mm -hmm. uh, and I'm very excited for it because I love Nicholas Winding Refn apparently apparently him and Ryan Gosling hit off quite a rapport uh, and they're gonna have already announced like two films together coming up afterwards uh, apparently like they're almost best friends because about the same age actually uh, the storyline is um, basically it's not that much a Hollywood stunt performer Ryan Gosling moonlights as a wheel man he discovers that a contract has been put on him after a heist has gone wrong that's pretty much it what but is he moonlights as a wheel man. 
Um, like he works generally as a mechanic, but he, he, he like sort of like at night he works as like a, a, a bank heist. He's the car. He's the oh, getaway, getaway car. driver. Yes. Um, so the cast is unreal. It's also got Albert Brooks and Oscar Isaac in. I forgot to list those. Um, and yes, like I say, it's got m really good feedback. Apparently, it's like just a really good, like sort of duel esque almost. So you can imagine all even the Hitcher sort of film like getting chased. It like that. It's very very good. Apparently, it has a nice mood to it, and it comes out. Its screenplay is by Hossein. Amini. Now, he's written something beforehand. Let me just check. He wrote... He was going to write originally the sequel to, sequel to The Golden Compass, The Subtle Knife. But, of course, The Golden Compass didn't do very well, so he didn't. But uh, his first feature film was, again, film, film starring Thomas Hardy, which, of course, probably is the link to Bronson, which is the link to yes. Drive, which is called Jude, which I actually haven't seen. Uh, but, nevertheless, uh, Drive, I remain... Is that Jude is in the adaptation of Jude the Obscure, which was filmed by Michael Winterbottom? Yes. Yeah, because that's a that's one of Winterbottom's weaker efforts. Whether we have it was nominated for Satellite Award, but the Satellite's really rubbish for Best Adapted Screenplay. Christopher Eccleston's good in it, but it's it's just a very. Because uh, have you read the novel of Judith Obscure? I'm afraid I have. Which is about not. cousins marrying each other, and it was the thing that led to Hardy effectively divorcing his wife because he wrote it about her. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's a very difficult subject matter to do. And I can like imagine. I said, Christopher Eccleston's good in it, but it's a bit misjudged. From the heart of the district, this is Lionheart Radio. Thank you very much for listening. Sorry if we've ranted along too much. It has been a special two-hour edition yes. uh, with myself, this Tom Davis. This is not Davidson. the Roger Corman version where he just kind of come in and say, you know, cut an hour out and put in an exploding helicopter. <laughs> uh, no, um, you can, if you like this, if this is the first time you listen to me, you can listen to me every Tuesday, 5 till 7, on The Eclectic Show, where I do do little film reviews and things. Uh, on Emphasis Tuesday... Little on Tuesdays, I'll probably be having a big rant about Harry Potter, um, and then maybe even beginners as well because I saw that. Uh, Daniel is on every every Saturday. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm here. From, like I say, like I said before that song, I'm here next Saturday from ten to eleven with Richard Dale talking about Captain America and an American Werewolf in London. Uh, you can download the podcast to the show. We're working on getting the last two instalments up because we've had a couple of technical difficulties. All right, things skipping, but yeah, everything up until Westworld is available to download at the moment from the interviews tab on the Lineup website. Well, there you are. And just quickly, uh, we were talking about Drive before. We got a couple of minutes left and um, the director said that the influence came from Bullet and that Drive was dedication to Alejandro Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky, sorry. Which, who is a very important, I mean he's very little known in this country but he's, he is, he's one of the maddest filmmakers ever because he directed two films, one of the, well he's directed a lot of films but the two he's most famous for is The Holy Mountain which mm -hmm. is sort of Ken Russell on drugs and if you've seen any Ken Russell film you know they, they're quite mad already. They are. But also he directed that strange western called El Topo which came out in the early... I've heard of this and I haven't seen El, El Topo. El Topo is just completely weird. And the first half is like a western, the second half it's a thriller, and it's, it, you know, there's, there's stuff in it about sort of cowboys and underage boys, and it, it, it's, it's, it sounds really horrible, yes. but it's, it's one of those kind of really mesmerising, trippy experiences. It's a bit like watching Altered States, the Ken Russell film with William Hurt, where he's yes, yeah, seen that body one. mutation and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, uh, but, no, he was also down to direct Dune before David Lynch did that, so, yeah, it, but comparing anyone to Hodorowsky is... It's brave. He didn't compare it, said it was dedication to. Yeah, but, but even uh, so, it, it's brave to kind of mention Hodorowsky's uh, name in the space of your own. But like I said, he didn't actually write Drive, the director, Nicholas Winding Refn, but he is writing the next film with uh, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, who is officially very hot stuff right now. He's always been a very good actor, but he's, you know, sort of like 
choosing his roles very wisely, but at the minute, he's an absolute workaholic. Uh, he is in Drive. He's also going to be, excuse me one second, he's also going to be uh, uh, this year in Crazy Stupid Love, which does look like a remake of Hitch, starring Steve Carell, Julianne Moore, and Kevin Bacon, where he's the suave man and he helps Steve Carell win his wife back. Uh, he's also in, last year he was in Blue Valentine, which is my favourite film of last year, which he, he was oh, tremendous okay. in, uh, along with Michelle Williams. Uh, he's also in George Clooney's next directing, which can't be any worse than Leatherheads, called The Ides of March. I quite like Leatherheads, actually. Uh, and in 2013, this is this, according to Wikipedia, he has The Place Beyond the Pines, uh, 2013, where he plays someone called Luke, The Gangster Squad, Only God Forgives, and a remake of Logan's Run. So there are four films oh, coming out, apparently, in 2013. But uh, that's the, that, the, the Logan's Run uh, remake is going to be by the same director as Drive, Nicholas Winding Refn. That slightly redeems it, but no, Logan's Run is a rather unusual film, so it'd be very hard to recapture the tone of Logan's Run. It's very similar to In Time, we were talking about, Yeah, and of course, Jenny Agatha. And Jenny Agatha. But anyway, Ryan Gosling is hot stuff. Uh, our film of the week, our recommendation to go see is, Daniel, take it away. It's Beginners, which you've already seen. And I have. We, we, we both agreed that it isn't perfect, but it is no likeable, independently spirited stuff, and we both like Ian McGregor and Christopher Plummer a lot. Uh, and if you have to go to the box office, go and see either Kung Fu Panda 2 or go and see Harry Potter. Yes. Harry Potter, which has already made 600 million dollars in you know a week it, it's on uh, it's on track to beat uh, uh, avatar if it, if it keeps up it ha the only problem is avatar was in 3d cinemas for so long because there was no other 3d films and then alice in wonderland came out uh, you know when it, avatar was just winding down with harry potter you know the 3d cinemas are going to get filled up with other things because there's so much 3d stuff coming out at the minute uh, which it might not which is the only risk for it not to be avatar because unless that happens Ava uh, harry potter is going to go way bigger yeah, well, I haven't seen Avatar, so I'm not going to do a sort of witty put-down about it, but uh, I mean, I'm not, I think James Cameron lost his way a bit. Um, the po yeah, so I don't have any problem with Harry Potter taking that much money. I'm surprised that it took that much. Yeah, it's obscene. It's, um, I mean, well, it's not obscene, because no, Transformers taking that much is obscene, because that's got no redeeming feature, whereas at least Harry Potter has a story. Has a story, and I, again, like I say, like I said at the start of the show, I really respect what it's done at British cinema, um, you know, but having said that, there's a quote by Steven Spielberg, it's when everyone says, oh, Tom, because I don't like them very much, the films, apart from the third one, which actually made the least amount of money, rather than, it's quite funny. Anyway, so oh, Tom, look how much money they've made. My, my quote is, my little, you might like this, if popularity meant quality, McDonald's would be a five-star restaurant. Yeah, exactly. There you are. But anyway, uh, they have made obscene amounts of money. Uh, which, I mean, there's a quote from Steven Spielberg when he was originally going to direct Harry Potter. He was in talks to, uh, and he said, there's no challenge making money with these. It's like taking out a billion pounds and just putting it in your bank account. It's just a slam dunk. The real challenge is making good ones, which they've kind of failed at. Like, originally, J.K. Rowling wanted Terry Gilliam to direct the first one, which yes. would have been incredibly it interesting, been if nothing else, because Christopher Columbus is a hack director. Which, you know, basically, they said... Christopher Columbus directed Mrs. Doubtfire, so therefore he directed kids' films before. He's far too safe. That's uh, the problem with He's far too safe. Terry Gilliam would have been out there indeed. Uh, and I think they should have either had one different director for every single film, or the same director for all seven. Yeah. They haven't. They've done kind of half and half. Because there was talk that Gilliam was going, he was offered the chance to do Goblet of Fire. Yes. But he turned it down because of the fact that Hollywood had been so mean to him. Yeah. Uh, after and the, the Brothers Grimm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, that, he was in the middle of the battle with Brothers Grimm at yeah. that point, no, because they were sh still shooting. Uh, and also, you know, Afonso Cuaron who directed the third one, Again, like I say, it's the best. He wanted. He, he was offered. You no, know, and so was Guillermo del Toro. They were both. Um, they both wanted to do. Uh, didn't want to do the fourth or fifth, but they wanted to do the sixth or seventh. They said oh, yeah. we want to do like the end ones. And basically, David, the, the, the studio thought no, we like David Yates. I mean, Guillermo del Toro. Basically, he got spurned because he wanted to direct like the sixth or seventh, uh, and he said that early on. And early on, and they said no, uh, we, we're not going to plan that far ahead. So he went off and made Pan's Labyrinth, which is a masterpiece kids film. It is. It isn't really a kids film, but it's a masterpiece nonetheless. What? And you look at that, and you look at Harry Potter, and you think, oh my. God, what could have been? Yes. Yeah. Lion Heart Radio, the voice of the 
Ой, сыпнет там да нам 